It's Machine Yearning from Assist. It's a podcast where we think and dream about the future of AI, the talking internet, and how we're reshaping our culture. This chapter is an excerpt from our longer conversation with Chris Messina. Chris is a pioneer of practically everything that's been important over the last 15 years. He was part of the team who wrote the original Firefox. He's a co-founder of Barcamp, and he invented the hashtag. In this conversation, Chris drops a lot of bold ideas, but keep an ear out for his thoughts on how the skills that let us be good friends might actually be the skills we need to grow great brands, and what that means for conversational commerce, a term he coined. Enjoy! I'm super stoked to have a conversation today with Mr. Chris Messina. Chris Messina, how oh are you? Oh my God, I'm good. How We're are sitting you? here in San Francisco drinking our sight glass coffee. <laughs> what kind did you get? Dude, I got I went for the pour over. I'm such a yuppie now. Um, but it's the uh, it's the Kenyan and it like tastes like tea. It's so good. Did you ever think after some coffee talk, Shane gets into it. We wanted to know how Chris became the guy we respect and appreciate today. Take me back even when you're a kid. Have you always been like the pioneer of an idea that doesn't exist yet, but you can kind of see the mm. dots connecting? Like where do, where does this start? God, I mean it's a great question and I feel very flattered. Um I'll put it this way. I've never really belonged anywhere, hmm. I think. I think that that my discomfort in my life and in me being me has led me to behave in certain ways, which uh, to me this concrete, I've always kind of been like a social chameleon, which meant that whenever I would go to, you know, like like in high school or even actually grade school, you know, I, I always saw like the popular kids and wanted to fit in with them. and. And yet I didn't, I didn't naturally mm. fit in with them. So I, I changed my behavior to emulate their behavior, to become more like them mm. in order to hang out with them and to fit in. What's a specific example of that? <sighs> oh, great. I mean, so one example, one, one of the things that I observed <laughs> is like popular people are really good at telling long stories. They will like tell some story about the weekend. Uh, like when they went out and they had some beers and like they drove their dad's car and they crashed into like the thing and like it just goes on and on about all their hijinks and ridiculous irresponsibility. And I was always like, that sounds so stupid. But then I'd be like, but that's what they do. They just banter about their stupid weekends. And that seems to be what's so cool about being cool is like how much you just don't talk give a about shit. being cool. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, I can do that. So is this how you became a coin termer? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Because <laughs> this, I, I, this is blowing my mind right now. By the way, <laughs> this is it's a, I'm yeah amazing. I, I, I guess I had to learn how to like fit thoughts into other people's heads, you huh. know. And yeah, yeah, also, yeah. but another problem that I had was like I was always very abstract when I was a kid. Mm. Like I was so worried with problems of the world, and I really, really struggled. And I've always struggled actually to like focus and get work done. You know, in high school, I was always like, "Why are we here? Learning these stupid." you know, formulas or whatever, like we can build, you know, we can make computers that do this, do this for us. Why do we need to know it? And yeah. it was always like a principled thing. It's like, well, you need to know in case the computer doesn't work. I'm like, yeah. like I need to like be able to like ride a horse in case my car breaks down. Like, okay. But you've always been in, inherently curious. Yeah. And you're like, why? And they're like, oh, because. And oh my like, God. That's not a good yeah. enough answer. There's a great question for that. Or there's a great example of that too. Like, um, I remember so specifically there was a time when, um, I was, I was in an English class and I was asking a bunch of questions about something we were reading. I don't know, some, some story. I don't remember what it was. Regardless, I kept asking questions. Why, why, why did they do this? Why did they do this? Why did it, you know, why did that happen? Um, and finally my teacher was like, you know, Chris, these are really good questions. Uh, I'm going to assign the class, uh, an assignment. 
And oh my God, everybody in the class turned and looked at me and gave me fucking like dagger eyes. Like you fucking dickhead. Like you just gave us more work. We're trying to do the minimal amount of work possible to get through this thing. And I'm like, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. Like, and so I've always had that curiosity. And again, it's like that curiosity has gotten me into trouble. Um, so to, to, to go back to your, your question, like, how does this happen? Like, how do you get ahead of this stuff? Uh, one is that curiosity Two, it's that lack of belonging, not knowing where to, how to fit in, wanting to fit in desperately. So the void is actually the drive. I think, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, sure. And in any ways, so as a result, I had to learn to really observe people mm-hmm. and observe their behavior and think differently about what they said versus what they did. And, um, I saw how dissatisfied people were with like the jobs and the work they had. It was like this thing you had to do just to like get by, uh, to pay for things. And it's like, why? So when I left college, um, and came out here and found the Mozilla project, I was like, this is the future. And that was the open, because I don't even know if people today would actually know, you know, many people listening to this might not know Mozilla. I know it's crazy. So that was an open source browser going against internet explorer. Yeah. Apparently the the latest version is actually very good. Yeah. 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 We know what's fascinating about you Mm. is that you like, you create the hype, but then you're a skeptic. (laughs) Is that fair? Yeah. So 2015 comes, you're like conversational commerce. You write this fucking term. Everyone goes, I get calls. They're like, we We want that, that, right? Go out 10 years with your knowledge of just doing this. Yeah. And look backwards and say, in 10 years, you and I are sitting here and we're like, fuck, we created this. (laughs) And what are we talking about? Look, I mean, the whole arc is that we started out with brands that wanted to basically like, you know, brainwash you through television and radio um, to a place where people were like, well, that's stupid. Like, you don't even have a relationship with me anymore. And like, my friends are way more fun than you are to brands being like, Oh, we're still cool. We're cool. Like we can, we can hack it. We can get on social media and then we'll just spam you again. Yeah. Until now where, you know, people have lots of connections and relationships that they maintain through messaging, um, and through conversational contexts and brands are like, well, maybe we can do that. But now the power has shifted and now I can block you if you're an asshole. And now I can like get rid of you, um, in a way that I can on television. And so that's, that's huge. Um, so brands that are getting that are like, look, I don't want to be a dick anymore. Like I've been a dick for a long time and I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. Like let's, let's level up. And the like, private one-to-one channel yeah. is finally going to make it. So like if you're a shitty friend, you're a shitty brand. You're out. Yeah. You're out. You're out. You're done. So, so that's the thing that's going to happen. I think, I mean, obviously it depends on things like net neutrality and stuff like that. But like, anyway, so brands get to, to have a shot to sort of show up and to be conversational. And there's a lot of commerce that comes as a result of that. And so that's sort of what I was pointing at. What I think is happening next is that we're about to move into a world that, that is defined. And I think Apple has done a good job defining it as bionic computing. Um, I think that they use that term very intentionally. You know, the fact that like they have a bionic chip in, I don't know if it's the iPhone X or whatever, isn't an accident. And it's a big shift as probably as big as like the I in iPhone, um, which both stood for the internet as well as I as a person. So individualism. Yeah. You think that you, is that true? Like they, they branded it that with that belief then it was, so the I stands for internet. Yeah. Um, like the iPod. Right. But the I also was not unintentional in Mm. terms of it being about I as in me. Mm. This is like when I talk about the iPhone as being the first personal computer, it's because it actually represents you. It's jewelry and jewelry is a way of expressing yourself through physical objects. That's played out so true. Yeah. In the youth of our generation, especially yeah, it's uh, totally, it's like what device you have, like, you know, Devi- even what apps, 
Totally. Having an app yeah, on your home screen is not cool. Is not cool. Sure. It's not cool. Uh, right. My niece is like so, the least amount of apps because if you have one that isn't interesting, not cool, yeah. it's not accepted. So technology has become hmm. so fashionable or fashion oriented. And if you look at that, like that's how people express themselves. That means they have a faculty with it. It's like putting on a shirt. You know, there was a time when like, you know, clothing was just like necessary to keep you warm. But in fact, over time became a way of personally expressing yourself. And so we're seeing the same thing happening with technology. Bionic technology though is a little bit different in that the level and depth of coordination and integration and intimacy that you have with the devices in your life are going to get so much more profound to the point where it's going to be unclear what the role of parents is like to a degree because say more. Yeah. I mean like, you know, that's, you, that's you, a bold <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, obviously like parents hope to and aspire to have a role, but like, yeah, you know, I'm sure you grew up on the internet and like when you were on the internet, your parents didn't know what you're doing. Um, increasingly, you know, you were tied and landlocked to a house and you probably called up on the internet. And when your parents wanted to kick you off, they could, um, hmm. you got kids now that have phones and wherever they are in the world, they're connected to everything all the time. And you can try, uh, to put locks and keys on that experience, but the reality is they'll get around it. Do you so, think, do you think there's a future in which you're learning from an Alexa or an assistant, a voice you're talking to it and the parents choose to make you like a liberal, open-minded, I kind of believe in mm, Catholic right. church. So make oh, sure yeah. that all the answers are, well, they can try narrative. They can try. Hmm. And I think the question is what happens when there's a why that's asked when, you know, the Christian version of Alexa is like, you know, God did these things and Jesus is this and the earth is flat. And you're like, can you show me a photo? Can you, can you project it on the wall and sort mm -hmm. of, and then like, it's a 3d representation of so around like marriage earth. equals this, this yeah. equals this and totally. like, why? And it's like, yes. just because it's in the book. Yeah. And you're like, you're like what book? I haven't why? seen the book. Yeah. I'm just right. talking to it. What is the book? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Yeah. So, so go out, go out to any, I want to come, I want to, I want to stand this narrative because this is fascinating. Like everyone, I don't like to sit here and talk about like, Hey, you conversate with conversation made a thing and yeah. messaging like that's, you can go read about that. But the next 10 years, this, this wave, here's what I'm fascinated by. Mm. When you're talking to people, whether it's a brand, whether it's Alexa, whatever it is, words matter. Mm, yeah. And in this interface, language is the game. Yeah. When it's automated, mm. when does this go off the rails? Like, are, does, do these become racist? Like, do they start inheriting the bias of us? And if I'm talking to someone that I don't understand, I'm inherently racist just because of my ignorance. But when it's automated, that, I mean, these are, it's going to go off the rails for sure in the short term. Is that, that a huge... I don't know that that's, that's really that interesting. Hmm. Um, Say more. And I, I don't mean that in like... No, a, no. I'm just, I'm curious yeah. of like... Because yes, like, I guess to answer your question, of course it will. Yeah. I think the question is whether that, that, that's interesting. I think like, mm -hmm. if you think about that, that feedback loop, right? You think about how... You can now have these virtual conversations, right? Yeah. Where, to put another way to make this more, um, I think, understandable, your experience of Google is different than mine, yeah. right? So the more that we use Google, the more that we put our everyday utterances, all of our hopes, dreams, fears, all the things that are going wrong with us, you know, the athlete's foot, like this and that, Google knows a lot about you. Um, so much so that it's not actually going to reveal to you what it knows about you because that would actually make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but it actually knows a shit ton about you. So. Once we get to a place where there are those types of digital agents and they know that much about you and you're constantly interacting with them and you're, you know, it's funny. Um, lately I've been walking around my house with my AirPods in and I don't take them out and Same. 
Like I actually go into restaurants now and sure. I feel like a jerk because I don't take them out. And right. Like, you have headphones in. Like, but like when I, so I, I don't know if you read my post about that, but I think I was, that was another good post um, where I called them sex sticks that fuck your ears. Um, you called them what? Sex sticks that fuck your ears. <laughs> Love it. Uh, basically, like my point was that Apple is really good at designing products that um, create lust and desire. Hmm. And so yeah, there'd been years and years of Bluetooth head, headsets. And in fact, if you look like the Pixel Buds, like they look kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, the AirPods are jewelry that you want to wear. And it turns out that they actually are a very good product and they work well. And I think having, you know, gone through some design school, like the design language of Apple products and of the Air AirPods obviously derived directly from the iPod earbuds. Yep. So there was, um, if you already had those in and you cut off the wires, like there's no real difference. Yeah. And so that people already were willing to wear those. So anyways, now you have Air, AirPods and they're available always and they've got a little like CPU in them and so you can like talk to them. Now I don't talk to mine, but there's a generation of kids who will, right? Because so Siri's slow. Exactly, right. Yeah. You put in Alexa uh, and, and I hope someone like hacks their AirPods at some point, but I'm sure because of Apple's proprietary chips, it'll never happen. But if you were to take that form factor, put in Alexa, you would probably be talking to her constantly throughout the day. Yeah. Um, you'd be listening to music and you'd be you know, talking to Alexa. So to your point about the racism thing, the problem then is if you're talking to Alexa in your head constantly all day long, she's going to start to reflect you and reflect your own biases or reflect yeah. your experience. So if you have a question that needs a racist answer and you know this thing's been programmed off the internet and there's a racist answer out there, it might be surfaced to you. Got it. Now the question is, what are the cultures and values that are part of these systems and what should they be? And should, again, going back to like the libertarian ideal, should you be able to become as racist as you want um, or as homophobic as you want or as you know, gender stereotypical as you want? Or is there a broader cultural imperative to force us to become a lot more open and essentially to, to your point about language and words, relax a lot of the strength of the definitions that we've created to get us to where we are now to move to a world that's more based on attributes and the phenomenon of an experience rather than saying, well, this is a male and males behave in this way. And so I will predict that the male is only going to do these things. And so therefore hmm. I will only show males, especially young males, Tonka trucks to buy as opposed to any number of things. I don't think people even grasp the implications that are coming with this right. space at all. All right. Thanks for listening. Get in touch on the Twitter at assist DMS are open. We're super interested to hear who you think should appear on the podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and share this with someone who cares about how we make sense of these changing times. Machine Yearning is made by Paul Chufo and Michael Elsesser for Lim in a House. Have a great day.